What's going on, everybody? Year three, episode three of Pat's Interference, and we got a doozy for you today. Did the SEC East preview last episode? If you haven't checked that one out already, you should go ahead and do that. Doing the SEC West preview today. Also, going to break down Alabama's scrimmage from this past weekend. Countdown's on. We're getting close to football, everybody. Don't go anywhere. Stick around. Listen to some Pat's Interference. Here we go. What is good, everybody? You know, uh, I don't know if you've picked up a nice handy calendar lately or your favorite app on an iPhone that tells you what date it is, but we're less than two weeks to kick off against Florida State in Atlanta. I mean, does it get any bigger other than the national championship? But to open a season, really, does it get any bigger? You're listening to Pat's Interference. We're going to talk Alabama today. We're also going to talk the SEC West, which is, you know, the division that Alabama's in. I am Patrick Brickman, joined by my very pretty co-host. I am Patrick Norwood. Brick, uh, it, it's less It's less than two weeks for, for college football to start. And you ask, does it get any better than Alabama-Florida State? I, I think it does. i got to contend. Uh, Rice and Stanford kick off uh, this weekend. And that's, that's going to be quite the doozy. Quite the doozy down there over at Rice, my friend. That is going to be a big one, especially if they can beat a team like Stanford. Put them on the map. Which I think they will by about three touchdowns. I'd say that's a safe bet. I'd say that's a safe I bet. I forgot that Rice is your darling this year. But, no, for real, we got a, you know, opening weekend. It was just announced last week, or this week, actually, I should say, two days ago even, um, that Alabama opens the season at number one, and we'll discuss that in a minute. And then uh, Florida State's number three, so it's not quite the number one versus number two that we were hoping for. But 1v3 is still the highest-ranked opening season game of all time. It's pretty hmm. exciting. Plus, it's in a brand stinking new stadium that's been in the planning for nine years, and uh, it's going to be the first game ever played there. Should be pretty cool. And you can eat Chick-fil-A but at that game. this is all stuff we already know. Yeah. And you can eat the Chick-fil-A there. But not the next day. Not the next day, or any NFL games that are played there. Speaking of which, have you heard this? We're going to get... Um, not off-topic, just kind of parallel to the topic. Have you heard about the concessions at uh, at, at the at the brand-new Mercedes-Benz Stadium? Uh, were they reasonably priced? Is that what you're speaking Very about? Very reasonably. Yeah. We're like talking a, a beer four is or five $4? bucks for a beer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, burgers are about four bucks. Fries are maybe two. Yeah. I will say I went to a Pirates game a couple years ago, and a Coors Light in a 12-ounce cup was $9. So this is this is definitely a step in the right direction as far as a, a fan's experience goes. Well, you know what they're just trying to do, Brick? They're just trying to raise it. <laughs> We're back! We're back! Welcome to Pat's Interference. Okay, Brick, let's get right into this, man. Let's get into it after that. Uh, just some quick touch on Bama. Just going to touch down and take right back off. Um, Saturday scrimmage. Most reports saying that Hurts played better in the second scrimmage. How are you feeling about that, my friend? I think um, this is a season where obviously we haven't been talking as much quarterback because we know who our guy is. But even when he struggles, I don't really freak out too much. we got to remember the defense he's playing against in this, these practices. He's playing against Alabama's defense. And unless you're – name is Deshaun Watson, the defense usually makes you look pretty bad no matter who Alabama's playing. So um, I'm, not, I'm not super worried. FSU's got a good defense. Um, so the only worry there comes from he'll be playing game one against a good defense. But I still don't think FSU's defense is right where Alabama's is. It's probably a little notch below in my mind. 
So, yeah. I'd say, you know. I, I'd agree with that. Uh, Joshua Jacobs, Bo Scarborough, both being held out. I've heard Bo Scarborough is fine. He just had a virus. I have not heard anything on Joshua Jacobs. Are you hearing anything out of camp about Jacobs' status? Uh, not that I'm really saying that's set in stone. Um, I just know neither of them are playing. I think it's a little bit more precautionary than anything. I just think it's so super important that Alabama enters this game in, in, uh, in you know, full health. You know, fully loaded um, against a. You don't want to have any offensive weapons. I know we have five capable running backs, but any of them being hurt is is no good. And then look at FSU. They actually had a uh, two offensive linemen. Now they were both true freshmen, four stars, and probably might not have seen the field this year. But they had two offensive linemen go down today with season-ending injuries. Mm-hmm. You just don't want any of that. That hurts their depth. And um, you know, Florida State's offensive line leaves a lot to be desired, which is something we will be talking about next week. Uh, let's get into kicking. Abysmal in the first scrimmage, as uh, we heard all over the place. It was a wet day. Ga- it was a wet day, lots of rain, lots of slipping and sliding, and all that fun stuff. And they missed a lot of kicks. Saban did say in his presser that the kicking was better. J.K. Scott made a 51-yarder. Papa Nasty and Belovis, the true freshman we've yet to see, uh, both made all their field goals. So, with that said, are you uh, still super worried about the kicking game? Yes. 100%. I've been worried about the kicking game at Alabama since I was two years old. It's awful. <laughs> you know, one day you're going to be able to take a clip of our, a ton of clips of our podcast and every single Alabama podcast that exists and just make a reel of Alabama fans talking about how worried they are about the kicking game because we've never really been confident in it here. No. Well, why Maybe should a little we bit be? heading into last year. Why should we be? But it's been awful. It's just... Uh, that's that's the Achilles heel. Like if you're name about name Alabama. our kicker in the 2009 national championship game. Go ahead. 2009 would have been Tiffin. Yes, was Tiffin gone? Lee Tiffin, and I'd say out of all of our kickers, he was probably the most successful, other than Jeremy Shelley in the 2011 national championship. But Jeremy Shelley couldn't kick it past 40 yards. Hey, but he's the goat for a reason. He is. Um, so gun to your head, you have to choose between J.K. Scott or punter, second team All American, voted. This year, um, Papanastos and Belovis, who we know nothing about except that he was a four-star kicker coming out of high school, and is the reason we weren't freaking out originally about the bad kicking performance in the spring game. Out of those three, game on the line. Who do you want taking that kick? I've got to go with J.K. Scott. I, I'm always going to take the guy in that situation that's got game experience. J.K. Scott has game experience, and he's also, you know, he he's got a boot. We know he's got a boot. It's just about honing that specific skill because punting and kicking a football, you know, kicking a field goal and punting are two completely different beasts. Uh, but I, I think I'm still going to take J.K. Scott. I'm especially encouraged to hear that he kicked a 51-yarder. That makes me think that he may have something uh, kind of figured out. I will out. say this, though. He kicked one right before, and it was blocked. It was blocked. They got a redo, and he kicked another. Look, it could have been a bad snap, bad hold. We'll never know, but... Uh, right now, I'm taking J.K. Scott. Who, who's your guy then? Are you taking Papanasty? No, I'm, I'm with you. Actually, I, I do. No, definitely not him. If it was anybody, I would say not him. Um, but I, you know, I like J.K. Scott there as well. I just, I don't think he's going to be as good a kicker as he is a punter because I feel like he was just kind of urged to work on his kicking because of what we have coming this year. You know, so he's had a full summer working on it. But I, you know, I don't think he's going to be by any means be perfect. If he is, then good. He could end up, you know, being one of the most impressive kickers in college football history if he can do both those things at the same time. I actually like the old days where 
there was just one kicker on a team and he did both. Yeah. Either way, either way, both of our booty holes are clenched as can be if the game's on the line and we're kicking a field goal. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I that's that's definitely an edge on your uh, edge of your seat and kind of turning around and putting your hat over your eyes because you don't want to watch what's happening. That's how I feel. Real about quick. It. I didn't put this on the docket, but I do want to mention that uh, Minka Fitzpatrick, first-team All-American, and then you've got uh, Calvin Ridley, Bo Scarborough, Jonah Williams, um, who I'm forgetting someone, and uh, J.K. Scott are all second-teamers. I'm okay with that. Um, I think that's about right. So that's about right. I wouldn't, have, yeah, I would, I wouldn't have put anybody ahead of the other people ahead of them on that list. Maybe J.K. Scott. I don't remember who the other puncher was, but um, I do think there are better receivers, better running backs, and uh, maybe maybe better offensive lineman. Jonah Williams is the closest to first team I would have put in there, but just figured I'd mention that. Alabama starting the season ranked number one. You know I'm not a fan of being ranked number one early in the year, just for many reasons. The last team to win a national championship while being ranked number one in the AP poll, you got to go all the way back to 2005 when USC did it. Yeah. Does that – is it something that you care about at all? You know, Brick, there's so many – trends like that that have been broken year in and year out but that one's always just kind of stuck out in my mind of you know there is all that pressure especially I think for Alabama this year there's a lot of pressure to get back to that spot to prove to everybody that Clemson didn't in the dynasty or you know that and we, we say that every year but it's true you know uh, I, you know in January we were going from talking about how Alabama may have just put out one of the greatest college football teams of all time on the field to great now they're forgotten because of a loss in the national championship and I think that's frustrating I think this team really has a lot of pressure that they're putting on themselves to erase that I'm not sure if that's compounded by being ranked number one but I definitely know it can't help it what are your thoughts well first when I saw that it shocked me that not a single team at Alabama that's won a national championship entered the year ranked number one I would have figured at least one of them did you know just assuming but no it's true um you know, Oklahoma was ranked number one one of those years. Remember the year USC entered the year ranked number one, so whatever, all that. Um, yeah, no, early in the year I think it does affect a team. You learn a team's personality quickly. I do think it helps that Alabama lost lot helps this year's team at least, that Alabama lost the national championship last year, and Nick Saban's not going to let them forget it. Right. So I don't think they'll be focusing on being ranked number one. But we have seen 2010 Alabama team. 20, I mean, you can go on and on. I mean, you can go that 2000, what it have been, uh, 12 USC team with Matt Barkley that came in number one. The Landry Jones, Oklahoma team the year before that mm. that was ranked number one. Mm-hmm. The pressure does start to build, especially early in the year before other teams have separated themselves and shown, hey, we might be number one. It's tough, and the target's always on your back. Yes, yes it is, it is. I do feel, I do feel like Alabama's, though, in a state of, this point in the college football world that it doesn't matter. They could have already lost four games in a season, but the fact that somebody's playing Alabama, they're going to get their best shot anyway. I think at least our coaching staff and most of the players are used to it, but I still don't like it. Yeah, no, I agree. Last thing we want to touch on in Alabama are the comments made by Copper Batman, a.k.a. Cooper Bateman, and Blake Barnett, a.k.a. BB-8, as they were formerly known when we loved them. We no longer love them because... Of a lot of comments they've been making about Coach Saban, criticizing his communication, criticizing the university, and uh, their ability, or I should say inability, to throw a football 
and therefore they're angry at the school. I think that, and I talked a little bit, and I'm going to talk a little bit about generational mindsets and things like that. I talked a little bit about it last week. I'll talk a little bit about it uh, during the sound off today. This, you know, and I hate, you, you can never really stereotype an entire generation, but so many people have put millennials in this category of it's it's all about me, 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 me. You've got, you know, people taking selfies all the time, people, you know, doing this and doing that. And what are you going to do to make me happy? And that's what this is to me. It's two guys who were told they weren't good enough and didn't handle it right. And now they're lashing out against somebody who is probably right in his decision making. And they're proving that he was right in, their de- in his decision making right now. I agree with everything you said. Um, I was, I was, uh, my my heart was broken a little bit by Copper Batman. I always liked him. I always I liked too. him as a quarterback. I always liked him as a player. I always liked whenever you know they'd show him on the sideline, just by accident or on purpose. Um, you know, he always seemed to be having the headset on, really engaged. He'd ever struck. Uh, we were after last year. Neither of us were huge fans of Blake Barnett for various reasons. Right. Um, after we kind of got to see what he was like in the system. Well, I think both guys, honestly, and this is what I think it comes down to, I think both guys were trying to save face. Yes. Um, they both came to Alabama. Obviously, when you come to Alabama to play quarterback, your mind at any position is maximize myself, go to the NFL. So at a place like at a position like quarterback, where there's only one guy that plays in a season, really, it's tough. But we keep signing good ones. We keep signing. We don't sign three-star quarterbacks. Mm. I can't remember the last time we've signed a three-star quarterback. Maybe Philip Ely. Yeah. So, um, you know, they come here. They get beat out by a true freshman, especially for Barnett because he was, you know, the, the huge, the, big, the biggest quarterback recruit they'd signed since at least Brody Croyle. Then they go, and now they're both at another school that's not Alabama and also not winning that competition. Right, we have not heard that Barnett's a starter. No, I, I no. Put money from on it, all accounts that I've heard, I have heard that Blake Barnett is losing the starting job uh, at ASU. Um, now, whether or not so that's the case, I don't know. At this point, it became know, anything to make headlines. Yeah, it's just I don't know, and I don't like the way that ESPN framed it either. I think that whole day with the Josh Rosen comments from UCLA that we talked about, I, I think that whole day was just frustrating. Um, just a lot of negativity in the media and especially and Josh Rosen didn't say anything out of line he just you know just when you're talking about good football teams Alabama is a team you mentioned you know things like that it's just a big program and he just threw Alabama out there because we are you know Alabama is the big football team that's it right period. what did the headlines say but yeah you looked at the headline and you thought oh Rosen's just bashing Alabama and it's like well no that's a terrible headline you know that headline should have said you know quarterback Josh Rosen bashes big schools or big football schools and you know their school's ability to get students in but anyway that's not what you'll hear and that's kind of what i feel like this blake barnett and copper batman thing turned into but you know you live and you learn and i i think alabama's much better off without both of those quarterbacks in the roster so that being said, let's get into the SEC West preview, Brick. We're going to go in alphabetical order today. We've got Arkansas up first. Brick, let me ask you, is Brett Bielema on the hot seat? That's a good one. And we're actually, this is going to kind of be a theme as we go through here. So I'm going to give an out of 10 rating for each quarter, each coach that we end up asking that for. 
for Bielema, I go five. I don't think he's. I think he's on a warm seat. I don't think that he's on a necessarily a super hot seat. I don't, you know, I just unless they win two games, which I don't see them doing, they're going to win more than two games. If they keep going six and five, seven wins, eight wins, I think he's fine. Uh, as much as I hate to say something about any school in the SEC, Arkansas has never had the wildest of expectations. Um, Arkansas fans don't seem to be calling for his head at the moment in this moment in time. So I'm going to go a warm seat, five out of ten. Yeah, I I think that's a good assessment. I'm going to go a six out of ten. Uh, just for the reason being, I mean, Brick, he's already been there five years, and it doesn't feel like that, but he has. Um, it you doesn't. Know, Holy w- cow. Yeah, and when you're somewhere for five years and your best season's, you know, kind of a fluky one, as I recall it, you know, a couple lucky bounces here and there and a couple of key games a few years back, and it's just you're looking at it, and I know that Arkansas can't be expecting a lot, but they've got to be expecting more than this, especially with the series of quarterbacks that they've had. Uh, now that I mentioned those quarterbacks, you know, we kind of did this in the last episode with the East preview. The West preview, we're going to do the same thing. One player from each school that you wish, well, each of the main schools in the SEC West, we left a couple off. One player from Arkansas, you wish you had. You listed Austin Allen. Tell me why. Well, I like him as a quarterback. I like him because he's an upperclassman. He's solid. I've always liked the Allen quarterbacks at, at Arkansas. It's a lot like a... I don't know when they're going to stop having them. It's always like a... Cole quits in Tennessee, man. Cole quit punters <laughs> at Tennessee. Good Lord. They could kick it to Memphis and back. I've had to have mentioned them before. I believe you have. You keep cutting out on me, so I don't know what you were saying there other than Cole quits in Tennessee. But um, That was pretty much the main yeah. part. All right. It's, it's, like, it's like Game of Thrones where they go, there must always be a Stark in Winterfell. There must always be an Allen at quarterback at Arkansas or Cole quit at Tennessee. Um, uh, I wish there was must always be a Julio Jones at Alabama. That'd be kind of nice. But anyway, <laughs> I put Austin Allen because, um, like I said, I like him. He's a solid quarterback. And I want – I really wish more than almost anything Alabama had an upperclassman, uh, good decision-making backup quarterback. So that if Hurts gets injured, because let's face it, the dude runs the ball a lot – we're not doing this whole true freshman thing all over again. You know what I mean? Right, right. Well, and he almost got – I mean, he did get massacred during the Ole Miss game last year too. So we almost lost. He sure did. Hurts for good. He sure did. Uh, and and I think an Austin Allen type, I think Alabama could win a national championship this year with someone like Austin Allen, a quarterback. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I'd I, agree I really with that. do. For me, it's it's Frank Ragnow. Now, he is a senior center. And anytime you can get a senior – offensive lineman. I know Arkansas's offensive line was not much to brag about last year. You go back and watch that Virginia Tech belt bowl and man oh man did they blow a huge lead and I blame it. The best bowl of the bowl season by the way. I, I Just because yes. of the social media. It's, it's outstanding. If you're on social media you don't follow the belt bowl you must. They've tweeted at both Brick and I and they're fantastic. And I think huge. I did that as a, uh, as, a, as a sound off at one point last year even. Yes. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're a huge Pats interference supporter by the way. Everybody. 
Uh, they, they'd never say it, but you just kind of know they are. But anyway, I think anytime you get a senior offensive lineman in there, especially one as big as Mr. Ragnow, you've got you've to kind of tip the cap there. I'd love to have a big offensive lineman with a ton of experience on Alabama's offensive line to block for those that stable of running backs and your quarterback who's fairly mobile, but also uh, that leaves him a little prone to injury. I think that's something that we could have. Let's move on to the boys across the state. Well, I guess they're kind of in you know, Western Georgia for some people who don't know any better, but Auburn is Malzahn on the hot seat practice. Yes. Yes, he is. If Auburn doesn't have a good year this year, again, they're getting close to the hype that they had two years ago. They're not quite there, yes. but they're close. If they no, come out no seven Johnson, games, that's for sure. Seven games, eight games this year. If they don't finish at least second in the division, I'd say it's pretty hot. Yeah, I'd agree The only with that. thing that would save him in that event is winning five games but still upsetting Alabama. If they don't win at least ten games and or upset Alabama, I think he's gone. I'd agree with that. I think, yeah, I think right now if we're, if we're continuing our numbers game, I'm saying eight of ten right now for, uh, for Miles on on the hot seat. I mean, oh, that, that baby is cooking. Yeah. I'm going yeah. nine. It's because this is the year he got Stidham. We're going to spend a good bit of time here on Auburn because it's the only time we're going to talk about him before the season. Um, they have Stidham, who is the big time transfer from Baylor. Um, a lot of people love him. A lot of he's is the he? sole reason they're getting these expectations. Is he? Seriously, I'm not even being a jerk because it's Auburn. Is Stidham a big time pickup? He played very. I, I'll give him the credit that he played very well as a true freshman. He once, hasn't. Uh, he hasn't played in two years. No, he's not. But neither did neither did Cam Newton when he came. Not saying he's Cam Newton. Don't give me. He there, played. But. He played in JUCO. Cam Newton played. I guess you're like, right. Like it's just I I just don't understand all this hype around Stidham. It's not like he went to JUCO and just went off. Cam Newton was a huge recruit, and I I, I just never saw that from Stidham. You know, maybe maybe I'm just naive. Maybe I just didn't see it. But it's just something that I never really saw from him. You know, and maybe he's not, but I'm kind of getting that Jeremy Johnson vibe from Stidham right now. Now, Stidham was the number one quarterback in his high school class the year he came out. Sure. He was a big-time recruit, too. And that's the other That's the other part of this, was that Stidham was supposed to be the next big ba- – you know, they had Baylor had some very good quarterbacks back-to-back-to-back, and Robert Griffin, Seth Russell, I'm, uh, I think was his name Bryce Petty. Yeah. They had good quarterbacks, and he was supposed to be the next in that line. He's gone because of the whole thing. I mean, there's just – you know, Auburn wants one so bad because they haven't had a great quarterback since Newton. They haven't had a good one since Marshall that this is what you do when you don't play football for eight months out of the year is you start to create these these ideas that Stidham is going to be one of the SEC's best quarterbacks. Yeah, we'll see. going to be the best Auburn quarterback since Jeremy Johnson. Or no, sorry, since Sean White. Oh no, never mind. Not Sean White. It's actually, uh, oh gosh, who played quarterback for him last White. year? Yeah, I'm gonna yeah. be honest. I don't hate. I don't hate Sean White as a as a quarterback. He's he's solid. He just can't stay healthy, and he's not had great receivers around him. But I just, you know, um, no one will ever be Cody Burns in my mind. Or what about Kyle Frazier? Are you getting my joke yet? It's I'm ridiculous. The amount of Auburn quarterbacks that have not panned out, and yet this one is going to be a godsend. When will people learn? History repeats itself. Football is cyclical. Sorry for my rant. I stay clear of it. 
I stay clear of it because I, I know you do. I know you do. Well. I know you do. I get it. I'm I, the reason Auburn won the national championship in 2010. Yep. I take full responsibility. I'm not doing that again. That's okay. I will. And then I'll take responsibility if it happens this year. That's a big if, though, because there is a big I, difference. So where, where do they? Where do you see them finishing in the division? Third. Yeah, I think I don't think that gets Malzahn his job. I think they have to be second. I uh, yeah, I do too. I I think I think they had to be second at least, and it's got to be a close. You know, they can't be a second because the SEC West had a down year. They've got to be a clear and present second place finish in the SEC West for him to keep his job, and I don't think they're going to. Now, one Auburn player from the team that you wish Alabama had, who would you say? Well, you just mentioned an offensive lineman. I like uh, I like Auburn's offensive lineman, Braden Smith. You mentioned seniors. We love senior offensive linemen. He was named today as a, uh, I think, second-team All-American. He's obviously pretty solid on that line. He's one of the reasons uh, Cameron Petway was able to get uh, so many rushing yards last year because Petway's a great player himself. Um, so, can never have too many good offensive linemen. That's I'm going. I almost picked Marlon Davidson, um, but he he didn't really live up to the hype that he was a true freshman last year that people were really hyping up. He was fine. He was okay, but he wasn't. So I, I backed off him and went Braden Smith. I'm gonna go. You mentioned him. I'm gonna go Cameron Petway. He's just he's another one of those Auburn running backs that's just got a very stocky build, runs downhill. You know, not quite ball, as. Man. Yeah, not quite as quick as uh, as as Trey Mason or any of those guys. But Brick, honestly, the guy he reminds me of is Jeremy Hill when Jeremy Hill was at LSU. Now, Alabama did a, a pretty good, good job good of shutting him down, but Jeremy Hill was a beast of a running back, and that's what Cameron Petway reminds me of. I like it. I like it. That's well, the nicest run, thing you've ever said about them. Let's. Yeah, I know. I want to be sick. I'm actually nauseous. Let's let's move on to LSU. Uh, are they a contender for the SEC West this season? Man, that's a tough question. I, I don't know if they can win the West – but I feel like if I'm doing that, I think they're the second best team in the West, and I don't want to just go ahead and you know concede a victory to Alabama, concede defeat to everyone else. But you know, I'm not a huge Orgeron fan. I was not a huge fan of that hire. I feel like LSU could have come out and gotten a big time guy. They could have competed for a Herman. They could have gotten you know. I know they flirted with Jimbo Fisher, but it's like when Jimbo Fisher was nah and he got his raise at FSU, they just kind of gave up. Um. I like LSU's defense, but I don't like their offense. You know, I, I don't, I don't like a team that's starting Danny Etling at quarterback. I like Darius Geis, but you know, they've had Fournette the last two years. They had Fournette and Geis last year. I just don't know that their offense takes a big step up enough yeah, step no, to I... find themselves in Atlanta at the end of the year. See. It's it's a weird it's a weird yeah. relationship I, I have with LSU. I think this like, is the I first time we've disagreed in, in the SEC this so far. But I, I really do like LSU. I like Orgeron as a hire. I feel like as a Louisiana guy, his players are going to buy in a lot more. Um, you know, he's definitely somebody who's passionate about the school. Um, you know, I, I think he's a good hire. Now, do I think he's you know going to win them a national championship? No, I don't think so. But do I think that he is? I mean, LSU's my sleeper in the West this year. Um, and it's not much of a sleeper. I mean, that game every year, we talk about it every single November. That game is colossal, you know. And I, I think it's it's a huge deciding factor for the SEC West, uh, no matter what the records are. Um, you know, you're, you're a two-loss SEC team. Well, you know, you, you win that game, turns your season around, you win out, you still got a chance to go to Atlanta. So 
I don't know. I, I like the hire. I think I'm interested to see what uh, what LSU can do this year with him at the helm. Uh, Darius Geis is obviously going to be a huge player, huge player for LSU this year. Um, you know, it's just about whether or not they can throw the ball. And I think the way that Alabama feels about kickers, LSU's got to feel about quarterbacks. It is a much worse problem. Absolutely. Uh, okay, <laughs> so one player problem. from LSU that you wish Alabama had on their roster. For me, it's defensive end Ed Alexander. Um, again, I talk about those leadership guys uh, online, uh, offensive or defensive, and I think that Ed Alexander is a great pass rusher, but he's also got a good football IQ. Uh, who, who do you have from LSU? Another guy on that defense, Arden Key, uh, outside linebacker, kind of hybrid DN sometimes. Um, I mean, I liked him. I liked him as a freshman. I liked him coming out of high school, and he's been very, very good at Ellis. A lot of people are putting him up there with Minka Fitzpatrick and Geis and Christian Kirk as guys at the top of the conference returning. Uh, a lot of people have him as a top ten pick next year, and I'd agree with it. He's he's quick. He's like he's built like Rashawn Evans, but he plays on the outside. Um, mm. and you know, we're still at Alabama trying to figure out where the pass rush is coming from. Well, Arden Key is one of those guys. I think he actually averaged more sacks per game in games that he played than maybe in the country, maybe maybe just in the conference. It was some stat like that I read on Twitter the other day, but he'd be my guy. I love him. I think he's a I, – I, re- I mean, this isn't just me coming up something for the podcast. I've always liked this guy. He's very yeah. good. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. That LSU team is going to be dangerous this year, man. All right. I'm really, I'm really looking out for him. I'm really looking out for him. That, that, other than FSU, that is the game I'm most nervous about for Alabama this really? year. Really, really. Yes, 100. percent Huh. Now because, it helps a lot that we play them in Tuscaloosa. Like I'm not saying I don't see them getting to 10 wins. I just don't see them taking the normal LSU route to 10 wins. I feel like if they're getting to 10 wins, Rick, I mean, that's a 10 win season. Listen to what you're saying. 10 wins is 10 wins. I'm not saying they can't get there. I'm saying if they do, it's going to be. I think they. I think it's a dogfight against Florida, dogfight against Auburn, dogfight against Alabama, ten, maybe not Tennessee. Um, Mississippi State, right. they're playing on the road. It's just when you're – I don't know what kind of offense they're going to put up. That's that's my only thing. I guess we'll have to wait and see. Uh, let's move on. Let's go to Ole Miss. So screwed. I, I mean, just <laughs> – it's, it's so oh, bad. It's Ed so Moore bad came out today Oxford. on it too. What what details came out today? Uh, it was uh, let's see, let's see what the I'm I'm scrolling down my notifications here. Um, it was it was something about how a report was coming out saying that that it was mul- multiple multiple times that that uh, Freeze made those escort calls, not yes, just the uh, one like a lot of people are trying to claim. I I heard that uh, there was actually a story that came out that uh, one of the nights that he called the escort service, he had quoted a Bible verse on Twitter literally six hours beforehand. <laughs> That's... It's impressive to be that dumb, but let's, let's move on. Is there any way they have a winning record this season? They're banned from bowls. That's a self-imposed ban, as you brought up. Uh, before the episode started, because I foolishly put it in there. For some reason, I had forgotten that part of it. Uh, is there any way they finish the season with a winning record? If so, why? If not, why not? Well, they play 12 games, so I'm looking at it right now. They open up. I think they could open up 3-0. and They start off against South Alabama, Tennessee, Martin, and California, who, you know, those are definitely three winnable games right there because Cal is not good. Cal, um, Cal's traditionally not good, no. 
Uh, do, you, do, you, do you hear the cat? The cat's crying cat, about Cat's something. agreeing with us. Yes. Cat does not like Ole Miss this year. Alabama and Ole Auburn are next. So I think they fall to three and two. Yeah. Vanderbilt. Do do they Vander, ooh, Vanderbilt? So I'm if I if I'm being positive for the sake of this, what you just asked me, can they have a winning record? It means they need seven wins or at least a win in a bowl game. They can beat Vanderbilt. They'd have can't to upset. To they'd have to upset Arkansas. They can't go to a bowl game. That's right. We just said that. So they need seven. So South Alabama, Tennessee, Martin, California, Vanderbilt, Kentucky, Lafayette. That's six. They need an upset in there. They need to beat Arkansas or A&M or Mississippi State. They can, but it's unlikely. I, I think they can – yeah, I think they can edge out one of those teams, especially if things go as bad for Mississippi State or Texas A&M as they could this year. Um, is there any player on, LS, or on Ole Miss's team that you wish Alabama had? I'm glad you're asking. Remember early in his career when I was crushing on Deshaun Watson? I do. I have begun approaching that territory. I'm not there yet, you know, because I picked Deshaun Watson to win a Heisman. Um, I'm approaching that territory with Shea Patterson, their quarterback. He was the top guy or one of the two top guys, you know, him versus Eason two two recruiting cycles ago. He was a true freshman last year that was supposed to redshirt and sit behind Chad Kelly. Chad Kelly tears his ACL. Shea Patterson comes in. This guy's got skills. He's got a good th- he's got a good arm. But he's just—he's another one of those shifty six-foot-one guys. But he's—he's—he's he's, he's just—he looked very good in those two games. I don't remember who they beat, um, or who, even who they played. I'm looking it up real quick. But he was great, and I looked at his highlights, and he—I I liked him a lot. He was a really good player. They played—they uh, played uh, A&M, Vanderbilt, Mississippi State. They beat A&M and they lost to Vandy, Mississippi State. I liked what I saw from him from a team that had given up on their season. That's why I like him. He showed a lot of heart, showed a lot of poise, showed a lot of skill for a team that had all but given up, especially after the quarterback went down. Now, if the hammer drops on Ole Miss, what I'm interested in seeing is does this guy decide to leave? Because, you know, the door's open. They can transfer, not have to sit out. Sure. Holy cow. Holy cow. Depending on where he goes, he could be my next to Sean Watt. He won't win a Heisman at Ole Miss, but... I really, really, really like him. Yeah. Big yeah. fan. No, I, I understand. I understand. I don't think there's anybody on that roster that I would, you know, in the event that there is that hammer drop situation and guys start to transfer, I'm not sure there's anybody I'm dying to have on Alabama. Hey, you got Greg team. Little, that offensive line. You got A.J. Brown, the six foot three receiver that everyone thought was coming to Bama that, you know, money a- talks A.J. Brown would be nice, but I'm not taking him over Calvin Ridley or I'm not even taking him over Sims. I'm not taking him over Dick. I'm not taking him over anybody. Yeah, we got a lot of good. We got I'm a not lot taking of, him over Judy. We got a lot of dogs I mean, at receiver. We do. We do. That's going to be a key point of discussion, I think, for our Alabama episode. Okay, let's move on to Mississippi State. Dan Mullen on the hot seat, Brick. Not at all. You think? You think it's an ice cold seat? I think he's fine. I think he is okay. I think. I think the fans love him. I think he's. Uh, I think he's now got himself in a situation uh partly because of him and partly because of freeze but where he's 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 in a position where he can own Ole Miss for the next decade maybe at least the next half decade he's going to keep beating Ole Miss and Mississippi State's not going to fire him he's got a good team coming back he somehow he keeps making these quarterbacks happen you know Nick Fitzgerald 
very good quarterback. We see what Dak Prescott's doing. Let's let's get to Nick Fitzgerald because he had a great year last year towards the end of the year. Do you think he can keep that momentum going into this season? Um, yeah, I don't see why not. Mississippi State, why not, man? I'm all for it. I've got nothing yeah. against them. I really think you know, they could be pretty good. I'm not it's, calling it's, them a sleeper, but they open a go Mr. Charleston Southern, Louisiana Tech. They play LSU, Georgia, Auburn in weeks three through five. That's going to be tough. Brick, Two of those are on my the road. Senior, my senior year, the first year uh, you were out of school when Mississippi State was ranked number one coming into Tuscaloosa. What an odd portion of a college football season that was. What a weird part of college football story that is. I don't see that happening again this year, but I could see them sort of sneak up there into that 14-15 range. The thing is, and this is an argument that's brought up time and time again by Mississippi State fans and you know just SEC fans in general, um, is Nick Fitzgerald better than Jalen Hurts? I don't see it. I don't see all this hate towards Jalen Hurts this offseason. I don't understand it. If Jalen Hurts makes one or two more passes in the national championship game, no one is having these conversations. Oh, he's already a legend. And all of a sudden, he, you know, is a somewhat of a no-show, but you can't even really call it that because of that last drive he had in the national championship game. And everybody thinks he just can't do the job anymore. And I just don't get it. I just don't understand. If I'm picking between those two guys, I'm taking Jalen Hurts. He led his team to a nearly perfect season last year. Listen, he, we, we... He single-handedly took over some games to win them. The LSU game was Jalen Hurts... That touchdown, that's what I remember from that game. The Clemson game. I mean, that national championship, the drive that I'll remember is the Jalen Hurts touchdown run. I mean, it's it's just, that's the type of stuff that I'm going to remember from his season. It's not the few mistakes he had in the national championship game. It's just not. No, he just, he kind of became an easy target because, you know, we both can admit that his shortcomings were exposed in the playoffs. Sure. We saw that. We can admit sure. that. But we but, also talked about play calling there, too. We did. It's just, you know, Alabama lost, and the world loves to just jump on that when they do. You know, when the Patriots lose to the Giants in the Super Bowl, when, when the Warriors blow a 3-1 lead, it's one of those things. It's just one it, of those things it that it's easy. People jump on, and, you know, now he stinks. Now he's no good. You should yeah. hear the FSU fans down here talk about him. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure a lot of uh, Florida State faithful think they're going to jump down Jalen Hurts' throat, and he's not going to know what to do. See, here's what we saw. Yes, we saw his weaknesses, but you know what? Those those were an 18 year old football player's weaknesses. How yeah. often do we even get to see an 18 year old player's weaknesses in a national championship game at that position? I'll tell you when. Never. Never happened. Right. So he already did something that's never been done. He wasn't perfect. Was never going to be perfect at eighteen. That's uh, the way football works. Just in case works. you forgot, too, Jalen Hurts was SEC Offensive Player of the Year last year, not Nick Fitzgerald. In case you forgot, Nick Fitzgerald lost to uh, South Alabama last year. Yes. You can say, "Oh, it was Week One. It was Week One." You know who Jalen Hurts beat in Week One? Uh, USC. Yep. Yeah. Now yeah. Nick Fitzgerald is very good. He might put up better I, no, numbers. No, I than agree. I completely Jalen Hurts. agree with you. But <laughs> tell me who I, ask me who I have to pick. Come on, come on. I know. I but I'm just saying you've seen it too. No, it was on Facebook. It was very heated the other day. I, I'm the I, you know I'm not the only one that's seen it. It's just it's something that kind of stagger. It's staggering to me. Honestly, I just don't I don't understand it. You know, um, 
it's it's just it's a little it's a little baffling to me. Um, but I, I I don't know I don't know it's it's just surprising to me. You know, Jalen Hurts had a sixty two percent completion percentage. Nick Fitzgerald uh, completion percentage last season. Um, you know, fifty four point three. I'm sorry, I just don't see the comparison. And Nick Fitzgerald can't run like Jalen Hurts can. No, hey, I'll give him. He's good. There was a big thing last year in the SEC, and that was this emergence of a bunch of freshman quarterbacks with Jalen Hurts and Nick Fitzgerald and Jacob Eason and Shea Patterson all coming in, playing well at the end of the year. Um, and you might have that at Florida this year with another freshman. So a lot of young, good quarterbacks that are the future of the conference. But I'm taking the offensive player of the year. I don't care who he played for. That's who yep. I want. I agree with you. All right. Last but not least, Texas A&M, Kevin Sumlin. He's on the hot seat break. What's the number? Oh, man. If who, What did I give Malzahn? Did I give him a 9? I'm you giving, gave him a 9. I'm giving Sumlin an 8.5. I think he's right I'm giving, there. I'm giving Sumlin a 10.5. Really? When the athletic director comes after you and says, you better start winning, are you done? You're done. It, the writing's on the wall. Barring making it to the SEC championship game, I think Kevin Sumlin is done, and I don't think there's any way they make it to the you SEC You think it's championship SEC championship game? Or bust, yes. Wow. I think – now, I, I will say this. I like Kevin Sumlin, and I, that's sort of an unpopular opinion as of late. I like Kevin Sumlin. I think he got – unfortunately, he got punished for having something really good happen to him. It, does that make sense? Beating he Alabama and in, having Johnny Manziel. Exactly. And he Mike came Evans. in with a new offensive scheme with a great quarterback that won the Heisman that knocked off the Goliath in Alabama that year. Uh, still didn't really matter because they didn't – you know didn't really pan out for him but all of that happened and then became the expectation for the rest of his time there and you know the 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 trevor knights of the world and things of that nature and speedy noel like it just never really came to fruition i think this year there's such a high expectation there at texas a&m that he has to have the best year of his career or else he's gone and a part of me doesn't really think that's fair See, I was going to say, you know, I, I said Auburn's number was second in the division, which meant they needed to be above either Alabama or LSU, at least, at the very least, if not first. I was going to put Texas A&M at third. They can't have Auburn, Alabama, and LSU ahead of them. They can't have yeah. – they have to be third. But you're saying that – I mean, I'm with you. I think his seat is very hot, and I feel like um, – I just I – I don't think Texas A&M is coming into the season with quite the expectation Auburn is. As the right. rankings would show you, because Auburn's coming in ranked twelfth, I want to say. Yes. Uh, is it? It's yeah, 12. it is twelfth. It 12th. is twelfth. Um, yeah. No. I. It's it's gonna be it's it's an uphill battle for him, and you know I'm not I'm not saying I know a lot. Uh, as far Auburn's coming in at fourteen, by the way. Um, ah. Or excuse me, no, it is twelve. It is twelve. It is um, I, for some reason, 14 was in my mind, but I was wrong. I just looked it up. Um, I think, you know, let me let me ask you something, Brick. Oh, why does this happen to Texas A&M every year? What what happens to them where they play Alabama, they've got seven or eight wins, they get either trounced or you know barely beaten, and all of a sudden the wag the wheels of the wagon fall off? I think it happens again. I'm looking at. I was seriously about to say something along those lines because. Uh, I think they, uh, once again, enter the Alabama game undefeated. 
I'm looking at the schedule. They open against UCLA. Not a team I love. Nichols State, that's a win. Louisiana Lafayette, that's a win. I think they beat Arkansas and South Carolina. Yeah. Those are both at home, and then Alabama comes, and they're playing them at uh, at home. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it. it it's it's going to be an odd year for them, I think. I think, uh, you know, you got a lot of turnover on that offense. You've, you know, but it sounded like from SEC Media Days, Kevin Sumlin, in my opinion, sounds ready. You know, he, I don't think he said enough to really, you know, keep his job necessarily. But here's the thing. Anytime an athletic director comes after you, and I'm not saying I know a lot about, you know, what it's like working at a big football school in an athletic department. I work in an athletic department. If the big guy says you need to step it up, he's already looking for other options. And I'm not saying that because I've seen it happen. I've seen it happen around the conference. I've never seen it happen at our school. But anytime the AD is saying, hey, come on, let's go, pick it up, he's already, he's already got four or five people on the short list to call for your job. And I think that's what's happening at Texas A&M. I think the threshold's 10 wins. I think he needs 10 wins, which means he needs to not get upset in a really dumb game. And he needs to be one of Alabama, Auburn, or LSU, or win their bowl game. If they don't do that, and you know they're, lo- they're dropping games like Ole Miss that they don't need to drop or Arkansas, if they can beat one of those three, or win their bowl game, I think he stays. But the number's 10. Yeah. Got to be a double di- in my mind. Yeah. I understand that. I understand that. All right. That's our SEC West preview. Brick, I got one more thing to address before we get to our sound offs. Yep. Last week, and I agreed with you, you said that you related Jabril Peppers to Manti Teo. Now, we had a lot of people come in. Not a lot of people. We had two people come in, say something about it, mention it, wanted me to get your opinion. This is something I want to start doing because we, we listen to your comments. We listen to your concerns. We, we, we read your emails. We read your Facebook messages, your Twitter posts, everything. Some people have said that that is an unfair comparison because Jabril Peppers has not played an NFL down yet in a regular season game. Are we an NFL podcast? Look, I I said I agreed with you. All right, However, so, so am I? So I'm clarifying, right? I'm, yes. Well, not even clarifying, just kind of explaining, just elaborating, backing yes. up, elaborating, whatever. Sure. I'll put it out there. Despite the fact that he plays for the Browns, I think Jabril Peppers will be a better player than Manti Teo in the NFL. But I was talking, from what I remember, because I do remember making this comparison, um, players that ESPN, for whatever reason, dubbed as their darling. Peppers was that guy last year, at least defensively, and Teo was that guy back in 2013. I think the reason Peppers has always been so closely related to ESPN is the fact that he committed to Michigan televised live on TV on their network. I think that's the same reason that ESPN fell in love with Tim Tebow. Um... Both very good players, obviously, in college. I mean, they wouldn't be drafted in the first round if they weren't. But I don't know that Peppers was the best defensive player in college football last year, which is essentially what you're saying if he's the only defensive player being invited to the Heisman. Because he didn't, he returned some punts, but it wasn't it wasn't like he was Charles Woodson back there. Um, Teo was definitely not the best player of the year that he went to the Heisman ceremony. But he had the most intrigue. He had the most stories. He could help them get through an hour-long Heisman broadcast. Yep. He had now, one punt return touchdown last season. One. And he had one interception. 
right? Tao didn't really have the sacks or as many tackles as C.J. Mosley that year. And I'm not even saying C.J. Mosley was the best player on defense in college football that year. I don't remember who it was. It's probably someone like Luke Kuechly, but um, it's just, it's, was it Luke Kuechly? I don't even remember if he was around. You know what I mean. Yeah, I do. I, I get the point you're making. I'm not saying either one of them is bad, and I'm definitely not saying Peppers is bad because Tao's been a uh, fringe starter backup in the NFL. has nothing to do right. with what they've done in the NFL because I wasn't talking NFL, right? I was right. talking in college. Both of them went to the Heisman ceremony. Neither of them won, and I don't think either of them deserved to be there. I think there were a couple of defensive players that could have been there just as easily as, as his... His, oh, and they're both different linebackers, by the way. In fact, Jabril Peppers is a safety, so I'm not even going to talk about the notion he, that he's a well, linebacker. Hold on, because he also played linebacker, but he also played running back, but he also played quarterback in the Wildcat. Well, that it's was just, the storyline, is that he did everything, but did but everything Here's the thing, we're not what? in high school. We're not in high school. I don't care if you're a two-way player. That's not football anymore. That's not college football to me. Well, if you're scoring touchdowns on offense, then that's one thing, but he wasn't. Um, he had one touchdown as a special teamer, and that's great. And he, he might have caused pick. a couple fumbles. He had one interception. But one. His, he was late in the season, too. I mean, it, it, don't get me wrong. He's a great player. Manti Teo was a great player. But I just don't understand all this stuff where he was invited to the Heisman ceremony and stuff. I, I like I Manti Teo going to the Heisman ceremony better than Peppers, if I'm being honest, because the big difference there is Teo was undefeated going to the national championship. Right. Peppers' big thing was that he plays everywhere, and that's a fun story, but it's not a Heisman story. If they had an award for most versatile player in college football, or if they do, he probably won that, and he deserved it. But he wasn't the most outstanding player in college football by a long mark. He wasn't the most outstanding guy in the... He wasn't the most outstanding secondary player, or linebacker for that matter. Or defensive player. I mean, it's, you know, even in his position, position group, there were guys better than him. Yep. Speaking of which, Derwin James at FSU is everything that Jabril Peppers is supposed to be last year. Three three rushing touchdowns last season, a return touchdown last season, and one interception. That's what I chalk his – and look, like I said, great player. I just don't get the love affair with it. I just don't get it. Maybe that's that's just me. We've listened to your complaints. feel like we've answered them. Uh – you know, I, I I understand where people say he was exciting to watch. Like I said, great player. I just don't get it. And I feel bad for him, too, now that he's in Cleveland. Yeah. Yep. I mean, I didn't he's, like the hype he was getting, but I wouldn't wish, wish that on my worst enemy. No, it's Darren McFadden going to the Raiders. That's how I felt about it. <sighs> Oof. Yeah, that bad. Okay, break. Sound off time. Here we go, bud. You, you've got you've got quite a hot one that just, just came across the newswire. Earlier this evening, well, I guess yesterday for me, since it is two in the morning, but it came across a newswire recently. Kyrie Irving, excuse me, traded to the Boston Celtics for Isaiah Thomas. What? What do you? What do you? What are you thinking about that? What's your sound off? <laughs> it came out of nowhere because I didn't know the Celtics were a player. Obviously, in July, news broke that Kyrie wanted to be traded, no longer wanted to be second fiddle on a team with LeBron. Um, and he, I, wasn't that mad because. I feel like LeBron's probably gone next year, and I know that Kyrie Irving didn't want to be left behind and the wasteland that would be left if LeBron left and all the people he attracts with him and the posse that comes with him. So I didn't think 
the trade was going to happen before the season. He mentioned the Spurs. As, I'm not even going to get into the Spurs because the Spurs were never going to make that trade happen. I'm going to get into what happened today. Obviously, he went for Isaiah Thomas, um, uh, uh, Jay Crowder, a center that they picked in the first round. Zarich, I think. And yeah. the Nets... 2018 unprotected first round pick, which is almost certainly going to be a top three pick. Unprotected. First of all, trade was a stroke of genius for the Cavs, and it was okay for the Celtics. You know, I don't hate it. Not the best trade I've ever seen, but it was okay. The Celtics, the the overarching rain cloud for the Celtics is that they're preparing for a post-LeBron future. Right? They want to keep them. And the way to keep him is to show that, no, we are going to be getting better, not worse. That is something that the Miami Heat failed to do. But, so they were able to at least show him that they're trying. And even if he does leave, they've got that first round pick. They've got Isaiah Thomas, who's not yet 30. And he's close. He's 28-29. And... You know, they get rid of Kyrie, who's a superstar, but they get somebody that's not as good, but in the same vein, in Isaiah Thomas. They get a great defensive player in Jay Crowder. They get a rookie from last year that no one knows, but he'll be. that He's a throwaway. And then a first-round pick that's going to be one of these dogs. I'm saying it's going to be Colin Sexton, but we won't get into that until later. <laughs> um, but this is these kind of trades, this offseason we've had, Paul George going to a new team, Gordon Hayward going to the Celtics, um, uh, Chris Paul going to a new team, this is an insane offseason, and the reason we're seeing it is because this is what happens when a single NBA team or a single team in any sport breaks the league by being so good for the foreseeable future. Basketball is a star-driven sport where you can only have five guys on the court at the same time. Right? It's not the NFL. You know, Even if Aaron Rodgers was traded tomorrow, it does not almost it doesn't guarantee a super bowl for anybody what we have with the warriors is they're going to be in the finals and probably win it for the next couple of years that's that's the belief around the league and everybody's reacting in whatever way they deem necessary either i got to build for 4 years from now or i need to beat the warriors right now and we need to get as many pieces in cleveland right now as we can who cares how many nets picks we have i don't know that there's a rhyme or reason to it I don't know why Paul George is on the Thunder and he's probably going to the Lakers and they might the Lakers might end up with LeBron and Paul George and Russell Westbrook next year. Mm. I don't understand it, but that's what happens when a team breaks a league. It's yeah. it's it's a weird form of exciting, but at the end of the day, I don't think it does anything to knock the Warriors off right now. I mean, like uh Irving going to the Celtics or these guys going to the Cavs. I don't think it does anything to knock them off. I just think it's exciting to talk about it in the offseason, but at the end of the day, Warriors yeah. still have four top 15 players in the league. No, I think I think you make a great point there. I really do. It's just, uh, you know, it goes back to what we always talk about with the NBA. I feel like when we talk about them, it's just that it's that super league. It's that super team mentality, you know, that we're so sick of seeing, but, you know, it just doesn't seem like it's ever going to go away. My, my thing, my big sound off today is all about you know this generational thing where boomers think that millennials are the way that they are because of this participation trophy thing now i'm not disagreeing 
that millennials are entitled and all that, I, I think there's a certain sect of them that are, and I think when you generalize a population like that, it gets dangerous. But if your job is to do so, I understand that. Here's my argument with the participation trophy thing. Brick, when you and I are five and six years old, we're getting participation trophies. Are we the ones going to the store and buying those to make sure that we feel better after we lose in a season? No. That's our parents' generation. That's 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 the boomer generation. That's the generation below the boomers. That has nothing to do with us. And I don't understand where people get off thinking that, oh, well, this is their fault. If they were groomed that way, they were groomed that way. But don't blame a millennial on the participation trophy mindset. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, just Google it. It'll come up, I promise. Someone's talking about it. But it's this thing where people think that we weren't groomed to be the way that we are. And I'm not complaining about it or making excuses at all. I just think it's something that people should ponder and people should realize a little bit more often. I'm with you there. I'm no, I'm, <laughs> I like what I'm, I'm, I'm picking up so, what you're putting down. Cause I mean, I, I feel like people are too quick to just completely generalize generations at all but especially this one you know that's the whole yeah yeah i just you know i feel like this generation is going to be the smartest it's going to be it's going to be a lot of things yes. but I, th- I think be the smartest most informed and most involved that that we've seen and uh yeah you yes. know everybody has every generation's had their weaknesses and strengths but i don't know I think you're onto something there by something cultivated the attitude that we have that people hate. Something cultivated that. You know, we didn't just come up with this stuff as a child. Something made that happen. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. So, anyway, that's that's my sound off. Everybody, thanks for listening. That was year three, episode three of Pat's Interference. We've got two more episodes we want to get done before the big kickoff in Atlanta. We're going to do our big NCAA episode kind of preview uh, the entire NCAA, then do one last Alabama-centered podcast before the big game. Uh, We will get those out when we get them out. Obviously, we couldn't do this without you. We tell you that all the time. If you want to connect with us on social media, you can go to Pat's Interference, that's P-A-T, apostrophe S Interference on Facebook, patsinterference.com, or you can go to iTunes and find us on Pat's Interference. Obviously, you can go to Stitcher, Google Play, Amazon, all of that fun stuff. You can find us on Twitter at PI underscore podcast. Any other way you want to reach us, you can call us on the phones. You can have our numbers. Just, you know, call me maybe. Just throw it back a little bit, Rick. Just do a little Carly Rae Jepsen. But anybody, anybody, my word, it's 2 a.m. I need to go to bed. Everyone, thanks so much for listening. Couldn't do it without you. And most importantly, Rick, roll tight. Roll tight.